Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 487. Great design is the sweet spot between styling and engineering. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Paul Deutschman. Paul, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am. All right. Great to have you here. Paul Deutschman is the president at Deutschman Design in Montreal, Canada. He's one of the most prolific and respected automotive designers in North America. His work covers an impressive range of vehicle designs from exotic sports cars to electric city cars, from utility vehicles to funky scooters, from electric boats to hand dryers. Paul has created designs for Rover, GSM New York, Specs Design, Porsche, Bombardier, and Reeves Callaway, where he's designed numerous models, including the famous GT3R and the new Aerowagon Corvette. And in 2014, the University of Hertfordshire awarded Paul with an honorary doctorate degree in recognition of his outstanding contributions to automotive designs. Paul, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little bit more about your career, you, and your passion for automobiles? Thank you for the introduction, Mark. That was great. You said you you put a lot into it. And uh, yeah, I, I've been uh, doing it ob- ob- from an obsession from childhood to uh, to now. Um, the, the, the career path chose me. I didn't choose it. And uh, I'm thrilled to be here talking, uh, you know, giving more details about what I do and chatting with you today. Absolutely. Well, in our pre-show chat, we talked a little bit about how you got involved with design and this path that you take, but maybe you can give our audience a little bit of a a hint about what got you into the business before we get into some of my questions. Well, um, you know, without getting too long-winded, I just did have a fascination from a very young age, and I I think the first, my first exposure was looking at an Encyclopedia Britannica that my parents had at, at home at a very young age. And I looked up auto, automobiles and I saw these guys working in clay and doing renderings. And I thought, oh, so that's where cars come from. <laughs> and I, w- I was really, I think I was literally fascinated from that moment. And 
I, uh, I thought, well, whatever, you know, I'm, I'm going to find a, a school or course that can lead me in that direction so I can become one of those guys who magically turns sketches and clay into real cars. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a fascination for so many young people who love cars when they, they say, well, who are these people that come up with this stuff? And they discover, oh, there's a whole world out there. And there's some great schools out there. I've had guests here from uh, the Art Center College of Design, where I know you've been down there at their car shows and things to mm-hmm. to present cars, the Callaway you design and so forth. But uh, very cool. We're going to learn a lot more about you as we move through here. But first, I always like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Paul, take the wheel. Well, I think that's a great question to open with. My quote uh, is that great design is the sweet spot between styling and engineering. Mm. It's from all of what I've experienced over the years in working on projects. I've found that the best results come from teams that are working in harmony, where there's a good buzz going around the, the new product or the car. So, um, which we find actually isn't always the case. And traditionally, you know, we've, we've all heard about the conflict between engineers and stylists. And uh, I, I don't think that that's necessary. <laughs> and uh, I think whenever I start on a project, I like to as dismiss as much of that as possible. Well, one of the things that I've heard about, because I've never been a car designer, but we I've had plenty of car designers on the show, is there's a third element that sometimes becomes involved, and those are the suits in the top-level offices in the buildings who come mm-hmm. down and kind of monkey up the design that the engineers mm-hmm. and the stylists are coming up with together to collaborate because they think they know what the market wants. Or mm-hmm. maybe in some cases, I even had a guest talk about way back when, where the wife of a VP walked in and said, I don't like that, and walked out, and they had to come up with a new design. So have you encountered some of that? Uh, Yes, uh, I've actually experienced exactly that, Mark. Um, And, uh, well, those are the intangibles, that you know, the variables that, you know, some in some cases, there's just nothing you can, uh, you know, do with it about it. So, uh but 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 I've found that uh, the part that I can have some effect on is because you know you you have to imagine when like I'll call, I'll use the word stylist for better for you know to to for lack of better description you can imagine when a stylist goes in and me- encounters the engineering group for the first time eyebrows are raised and uh, you're thinking well. You know, the perception of the the stylist might be, oh, well, here's a guy who, you know, he's from art school and he's going to just put a stick in our spokes and, uh, you know, he'll come up with something beautiful, but we won't be able to produce it. And um, so uh, my approach personally is to meet the engineering group as soon as possible. And, and the of course, the uh, the management and tell them about my background as an engineer and uh and uh, explain to them that we will be speaking the same language. This has had a terrifically positive effect on every project, and uh, and I'm very—it's something I'm very proud of. Um, it's 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 uh, it's it, I find it's the it, it, like I said, it creates the best working atmosphere, and you're going to extract the best from everybody involved 
under those circumstances. Well, instant credibility, I would assume that it, it, it provides you as well. So the engineers go, oh, okay, this guy does know a little something better than just making it look pretty. So Yeah, yeah, we can actually talk to this guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, let's go a little bit further back in time in your history and talk about a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you look back when you really realized that you were a car guy? Well, um, I mean, going way, way, way back and my first thoughts of when was I really kind of getting hooked on the car design thing. One thing I remember picking up a Chevy Bel Air brand new with my father and we'd driven a long way to Montreal uh, to to pick this car up. And, and we stopped for lunch and the the Bel Air was parked in the in the draw in the lot, and uh, as we came out, my father, who was not a particularly emotional person, said, "Gosh, isn't that a beautiful car?" And it was like I said, it was a long drive home, so I had a lot of time to think about this sudden outburst of emotion coming from my father. Uh-huh. And I, the question I was asking myself uh, was, "Why did he say that? What was it about this?" object that became more that made it more than an object it made it something rolling sculpture and and the other the other incident which happened at very much the same era same probably the same year was my grade 7 teacher showed up she showed up in a um, wonderful bright red mustang fastback cool and my friends and i just thought she was the most amazing looking thing <laughs> and of course by the way the teacher was pretty good looking yeah too. <laughs> yeah that didn't hurt <laughs> so uh yeah that those were the you know the the things that stand out in a young man's mind of uh, oh yeah you know, yeah very like, cool very very early days yeah lovely story i love it so paul what i'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood and ask you to share a huge challenge with us or even better a great failure that you faced along the way in your career but the most important part of this was how did you overcome that situation and what did it teach you well i'm happy to say that i haven't had any spectacular failures but challenges absolutely when i i did my training in england uh, as a as a vehicle design engineer and uh, I had already started with quite a, a pr- promising uh, career in uh, at Rover Styling Department. And I decided for various reasons to move back to North America. And then the challenge became to how to establish myself in this business of, of vehicle design in a place that, you know, without working for one of the big OEM manufacturers. And uh, so, so yes, that's when my challenge started. How did I overcome it? Well, uh, it, it's um, it started actually. I uh, designed a, a small um, kit car uh, based on a Honda Civic platform, and it was uh, called the Spec Self. And uh, we produced a, uh, about two dozen of them. And towards the end of the the production of it. Um, Basically, out of nowhere came a dream commission to design a, a Porsche Speedster of the future. Cool. It was uh, a project that, of course, uh, for me, it was. It, it, I knew that 
we had to nail it. Uh, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. Oh yeah. So, uh, so we worked diligently on, on rebodying a nine 11 and, uh, to make a long story short, uh, when uh, when the car was completed, we called it the Spexter after the design company, which was called Spex Design. Uh-huh. And uh, the Spexter went on to, I, I sent out a few pictures of it and I got, within a few days, I got a call from the editor of Motor Trend Magazine and he said, we're putting it on the cover of the magazine. Wow. And, uh and so this was this was huge, uh, I, and um, uh, so it, it was put on the cover, and uh, also on the cover of Sports Car International. And um, within a few days, uh, also got a, a phone call from Reeves Calloway um, asking if I could design the bodywork for his hundred two hundred and fifty mile an hour supercar. Oh, geez. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a project so that was really like uh uh that was kind of how how things uh you know the steps that 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 sort of got the recognition that was was needed to get kind of a foothold in in the car design business now the spexter was that a predecessor or a evolution into the boxster that exists later yeah, or now or? actually before the boxster okay and I'll never forget at the Detroit Auto Show where the Boxster prototype was unveiled, which was after the Spexter. They pulled the cover off, and uh, it was John Lamb, who is an editor at uh, at uh, Road and Track. He, I didn't even know he was standing next to me. He pokes me in the ribs, and he says, Paul, doesn't that piss you off? <laughs> well, you know, the yeah. Well, we won't go into that part of the story, but... Uh... Yeah, very cool. Well, what a fun project, both those projects. And, of course, your involvement. We'll learn a little bit more about your involvement with Callaway because you just have been doing many, many things for them. But let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a, a career aha moment when those headlights come on and illuminate the way for this new direction or a new idea that you had. And tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success. So... Yeah, I, I kind of gave away my aha moment in the sense that uh, I have to say it was when I walked into the local magazine store and I saw uh, the Spexter on the cover of Motor Trend. I, I, there was, I can't remember a moment that I was just so elated. And, uh, and so I would say that was my aha moment. And then to follow up, the phone, the phone call from Reeves Calloway was, Yet another one, yeah. which followed shortly afterwards. Oh, absolutely. I can't imagine how that makes you feel when you, you put so much work and intensity to it. And then you it's like producing a book or publishing a book. When you finally see that book laying there, oh, my gosh, all the emotion that went into it. Yes, I think effort. that's an excellent uh, comparison because when you work on something, whether it's a book, writing a book or uh, designing a, a car, it's like it's a you know you're you're working away in your own little area and then when you show it to the world you're not you're never quite sure what kind of reaction it's going to get right is it going to be a a success or is it just going to be another another styling exercise that's right so so to get to get positive feedback from that is is a very very special moment yeah, I had Ralph Gilles, who's uh, head of global design yes. for Fiat yeah. Chrysler and Ferrari. Yeah. And 
he said the exact same thing when you you spent all this enormous effort when you see the final vehicle sitting there. Uh, there's just this enormous, almost a relief, but an elation that, oh, there it is. Finally, something real. So, well, I would assume that leads to my next question, which is proudest career moments. I know you've had many, but is there one in particular that really stands out for you? I look at it as more uh, rather than one particular highlight. I think the the thing I'm really proud of is is to be able to do uh, make a career in designing cars. But it's also not just that. It's by by combining uh, creativity with innovative methodology, which was not available, certainly when I was a student. I mean, it took armies of people to create cars. And uh, with the uh, advances in technology recently, I mean, there's truly, as we all know, been a revolution in, in right across the board. And that has... Uh, help um, car design and development and production enormously as well. So so the services, even though I'm not working within an OEM, the services, I like to say, are offered are of OEM quality, but are much more accessible to, say, smaller companies that can't support a full-time design staff uh, or even independent projects, you know, to do something... Um, uh, like the Porsche Spectre, it was some, you know, we could do that type of project very efficiently now and, uh, and very cost effectively. So I think that there's a, you know, some exciting opportunities there uh, that uh, some of the technology and the methodology is affording us. Oh, absolutely. Uh, if you just look at what I'm doing, talking to people all over the world, sharing their inspiring stories about their mm-hmm. passion for cars mm-hmm. with other people around the world. I mean, five years ago, this would have taken a team of people here. I sit by myself being able to do this and, and present your your story to my yeah. listeners and got listeners now in over 80 countries, which blows me away sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which Fantastic. is pretty cool. So technology is really fun. It's fun to embrace. It can frustrate us sometimes, but uh, <laughs> more than not, it really helps us expand our awareness of the world and things we do. Let's have a little bit of fun here. I would love to hear about your first really special car. And maybe you have a memory you could share with that vehicle. Well, um, you know, because you put the word first in there, I have to uh, refer to the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Honda Civic uh, kit car, which was a, a, a tiny convertible. And, uh, and uh, it was, um, it, it was basically the, the, my first baby, if you, if you like. And which, uh, uh, which generation the, Honda Civic was this? It was the first generation. Oh, the tiny like little guy. Really tiny. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, um, you know, and at the time when it was being produced, you know, I had no idea where it would go, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, as it turns out now in retrospect, it was of key importance to getting, uh, you know, the, 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 the Porsche concept project going and it drew enough attention to what we were doing to bring on other things. So even though it's no supercar, it's, you know, very mediocre performance and handling. But it is my baby. And uh, in fact, I'm doing a full ground up restoration on one right now. Oh, cool. And, uh, it should be ready uh, in late spring. So awesome. Really, really looking forward to that. Reinventing the baby, if you will. I like that uh, very much. I, I just can't. I don't have the, uh, the, the, the wherewithal to just 
turn my back on it. It uh, say that that's the keeper for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, how about seller's remorse? Excuse me. Is <laughs> Is there a car that you've let go that you really wish you had back? Yeah. Well, I mean, what's what I think what's helpful to make it, minimizing the remorse is that I'm I'm not apart from the the little elf convertible, I'm not really uh, a, a much of a car collector. And of course, this leads people to saying, "Well, Paul, why don't you own uh, you know a super trike T Rex that you design or a, a Callaway Cor- Corvette?" And I said, well, you know, I kind of do have a collection of those vehicles. They're sitting on my shelves. They're made in <laughs> clay, wood, yep. plastic. Yeah. There's some uh, auto art, you know, the 118 scale die cast models. There's some Callaways in that. I said, I've got all that collection. So, and um, I'm okay with that. So, and I, it's in a way, it's easier to appreciate a scale model than it is a full size car if you can't stand back far enough from it. Yeah, you know, yeah. You can hold a, a model at the end of your fingertips and get a, you know, a, a perspective. Yeah, I'd still think I could enjoy having a GTO where I could get out and take that for a drive, but uh, maybe uh, somebody yeah. <laughs> down the road. Now, let's talk about current projects. I know you're continuing to work with Reeves Callaway on. Some of the many projects, and uh, one of them that I mentioned in my introduction is the Aerowagon Corvette. I don't know if that's the car you want to talk about, but what are you doing this year, 2016, that really has you excited and fired up? Well, uh, the, the, the the big launch uh, last October was the GT3R uh, race car, which is going to be, ra- uh, it, it hasn't actually raced yet, so the the race season is uh, about to start, and uh, so really looking forward to that. We got some feedback from the uh, the tests, uh, the the test track, that the initial results are extremely promising. So I have to say that's that's I'm really looking forward to it. Very excited. Oh yeah. As far as the road cars go, there is the Callaway uh, the shooting brake. Ah. Callaway Corvette, yeah. which we call the the Aero Wagon. I think it, that's going to be a real head turner. You know, instead of going with the conventional wings and you know splitters and you know the usual route, um, we're doing something that will visually, I think, will be a real head turner. And to give an idea, um, you know, think think of the uh, Chevy Corvette uh, Nomad. Oh yeah, and then project it 60 years into the future and I, you know that's oh, the, yeah. the spirit of the thing yeah. oh yeah i've seen some yeah. sketches it's absolutely stunning and it's interesting because i just saw a prototype of the porsche panamera shooting brake their porsche is yes. coming out with a wagonish version of the panamera and yes. I'm, I'm a big fan of wagons anyway i think they're just that's, cool that's great and i i have to say the porsche uh i think it looks better than a panamera um, I agree. I think it just suits the suits the body. It, it feels better on its wheels than the, the Panamera. So yeah, uh, yeah I, I I think it's a fun, uh, you know kind of a funky, different approach of you know always doing the conventional fastback um, right. sports car. So, I can see that with the Ferrari FF as well. You know, a shooting yes, brake yes. version of that vehicle. So very cool, yes. very cool. Yeah, yeah. Now, now here's a very introspective question, and I really love asking designers this question. So I'm going to put the pressure on you a little bit here. If you were a car, Paul, what kind of car would you be, and why? <laughs> The well, an Aston Martin, of course, because it's so handsome. But, okay, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but but 
more seriously, um, the, the Aston Martin, uh, I find the lines are controlled, uh, understated and respectful of the past, of its heritage. And I think that that's, that those are great things, but it's also capable of, of being kind of badass when it's, when it's called for. So I, I like the duality of that, you know, that, um, respectful on one, on one hand, but kind of the bad boy on the other. So, uh, I would like it to think that it reflects kind of the, you know, the, the, the range of, say, the designs that Deutschman design has come out with, which is, you know, crazy fast stuff to, uh, you know, um, airport shuttles, you know, electric vehicles, low, low speed, uh, very, uh, you know, the other end of the spectrum. And, so if we go to uh, narrow this down a little bit with Aston Martin, is there a specific model that you have in mind? Oh, do you, I, I mean, I look at any of the current range and they, they have a strong theme running through all of them. Yes. So, uh, you know, the, is it the DB9 or, you know, it's kind of typical of what the look is, uh, nowadays. I, I, I think Aston has done the most impressive job of coming, re- respecting its heritage and coming into the modern day. Yes. Um, I think they've actually, had an easier, a uh, very, very nice natural movement. Uh, I think even more so than say Jaguar, which yeah. uh, has had a couple of blips along the way. You know. Well, I, I love the Astons, and it's one of those cars I've always said. With having some design aesthetics in my background, if I can't enjoy what I see when I walk up to get into a car, I really almost don't care what it does once I'm sitting in it because I need to enjoy the aesthetics and look of the car as I walk towards it or that that last look as you step away and you turn over and look over your shoulder one last time before you walk into the store and you leave your car in the parking lot. Absolutely, line. absolutely. And and it was uh, it's, some, it's something that reminds me of the work I did on the T-Rex where it's, they basically presented me with a chassis, a rolling chassis, and said, you know, can you improve it? And I thought, well, this thing, you know, you see all this tubular metal, and I thought, it's not welcoming me. It's kind of almost being hostile. But bring in that, you know, the seductive aspect of of a design um, of, a, of a vehicle, hugely important. And I agree with you 100%. Absolutely. Well, great answer to that question. That's a great question. It was uh, uh, posed, I know your mother's British, um, so it was yeah. posed by a British guest I had here, Harold Cleworth, who's a painter of cars, who originally gave me the idea for that question. So very cool. So Paul, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Paul, we are back and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Yes. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? 
Well, it, it was from an Exxon executive who was a B, also a BMW collector, and he, who owned in 507, by the way, and he, he was a great motivator uh, without me realizing it. He would taunt me with questions like, uh, for example, when I was working on the Porsche, he said, do you think you can actually do a better job than Porsche? Ooh. <laughs> um, so kind of a, a little bit taunting, but in retrospect, very motivating. Yes. And my biggest regret is that his name was James Roman. And my biggest regret was that he passed away just months before the Spectre came out on the cover of Motor oh. Trend. Mm -hmm. So, and I still, I still, uh, feel wished i had the opportunity to show james that well i think james was uh, smiling down from the heavens when he saw that so. come to fruition <laughs> very nice would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years well i i don't have a an unusual answer for that it's basically an obsessive commitment to the creative and to the technical sides of automotive design you know, that's what fills, <laughs> fills my mind. And that's, that's, so that's the, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's finding a way to make a career from combining those things. And, and that, that is, I would say that's the outstanding personal habit. Very nice. Now, how about a resource? I know there's a lot of them out there, but is there one in particular you think the Cars Yow listeners would really enjoy? The, I'm just, Saying the first thing that comes to my mind is Reeves Calloway because ah. uh, and his team at Calloway Cars. They build extraordinary vehicles, and uh, for me, it's just been a unique privilege to work with them on so many incredibly exciting cars. It's oh. been really a, an extraordinary experience. Oh yeah, very very fortunate, and I, I, and I appreciate it, and I love working with the guys. So they're they're family. Fantastic. <laughs> Now, how about a book? Is there a book that you've read maybe recently you think the Cars Yeah listeners would love to crack open and read as well? Being a designer and being more visual, I would, I'm, I'm going to mention a, a, a photographer's book, which is Jesse Alexander's. And ah. Jesse and I uh, became good friends when he invited me on a trip to Italy. To He wanted to photograph all the great Italian designers. And so I tagged along. He asked me, would you like to tag along? No, I don't want to go. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that gave me this opportunity to meet um, all my idols, uh, Sergio Pininfarina, uh, Marcello Gandini, Nuccio Bertoni. Uh, wow. Uh, and, of course, my all-time favorite, uh, Giorgetto Giugiaro. Giugiaro, yeah. And... Um, uh, you know, I mean, I was just, I was in heaven and, uh, and strangely, because it's in the north, uh, northwest of Italy, all these guys spoke very good French and very poor English. And so I was able to, uh, oh, you know, be a translator. A, being a Quebecer, I was very easy, had an easy time uh, communicating with them and it was, uh, and, and translating and, uh, it was fantastic. Oh, yeah. what a fortunate situation. Yeah. Jesse's been a guest here. On cars, yeah. I met him many, many years ago. I had the incredible, delightful day of spending a day at his house in Santa Barbara, going mm -hmm. through photographs, looking for five that I was going to take and produce tritone lith lithographs and sell them as posters. And to sit there with him and have him reminisce, he'd pull a picture out and say, Oh, I remember this, and tell me the story about it. Yeah, uh, was just an yeah. absolutely delightful day. And I ran into him again at the Rensport reunion at Laguna Seca 
mm-hmm. while I was getting my photo credentials, and he was too, to to be able to go out on the track and take pictures. And it was such a delight to get to talk to him again. Yeah, I've got all his books. They're fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, yes, he's he has all the anecdotes, and um, yes, <laughs> he was there. He was were there when the history was being made, and uh, yeah. yeah, he he is a very special person. And of course, his photographs tell the whole story, and that's why. How could I not recommend all of his books? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources at Paul's very own show notes page on carsyad.com. Just type Paul in the search bar and that page will pop up. And there's a great place on the Cars yeah website called Guest Recommended Books under the References column where you can find these books and all the past 486 guest book selections for a quick, easy click to buy. All right, we are up to the checkered flag, Paul. This last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the price, I'll buy you any car in the world today. What would that one vehicle be? And more importantly, why? Well, in a way, in a way, Mark, you're asking, it's like asking a parent to choose his favorite child. I know, I do it every day, five days a week. <laughs> I'll exclude... Uh, the stuff that I've worked on because there's there's one car which is the uh, 1962 Ferrari 250 GT 3269. It was a very very early Giugiaro design, while done while he worked at Bertone, and the reason I I find it fascinating is because it's it's a it's a stunningly beautiful car, um, and you could see the 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 Giugiaro's talent sort of bubbling through even though i think the nose is 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 flawed but that makes it sort of enigmatic like the the mona lisa smile and uh, so that that would be my choice it's just uh the proportions are uh uh you know it just shows that emerging genius um yeah, yeah. Fast, i find fascinating absolutely beautiful car beautiful choice i love it well Awesome car, very unique car. It's going to cost me a fortune, I think, to get you that car, but that's okay. I'd be happy to to bring that to your garage. Beautiful, beautiful automobile. Paul, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yow listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that special Rosario design Ferrari? <laughs> Pleasure. Um I guess the, the, the thing that happens, uh, you know, in, in my field is that I get, I'm regularly approached by parents or budding designers and they ask, how do I get or how does my child get into the automotive design field? The best advice I can give is to encourage them to follow their passion, get into a design school. The more specialized uh, in automotive, the better, because that's where the, the car companies are going to be going to look for their, their next designers, their up-and-coming designers. Mm-hmm. I think if they have the talent, they're, they're going to succeed. And uh, so, you know, there's only one way to find out, and that's to, you know, pursue a course and, and go for it right. and, um, and see what happens. Buy him a bunch of sketch pads and pencils and tell him to draw, draw, draw. Create, create. And, and uh, you know, if the passion is there after a few years of school, then, and the other thing, too, is that you, you, you know, I, I, I think an early stage, you need to get the feedback whether 
you know, whether the, the skill and the talent is there. So the, the, the feedback, it's going to come sooner, sooner or later. Right. And then, and then make your, your future decisions from there. Absolutely. But, um, but if they're, if the talent's there, nah, they're going to, they're going to land on their feet. There you go. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business? The easiest way is, uh, to go to the Deutschman Design uh, website, which is www.deutschmandesign.com. All right. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to this website and everything Paul's been so kind to share today on his show notes page at carsyad.com. Just put Paul in the search bar and that page will pop right up. Paul, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. I've really enjoyed it. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. It was a real pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.